Praise God. Amen. You may be seated today. Praise God. Didn't our worship team do a wonderful job this morning? Amen. And, uh, our event choir is getting ready, preparing to uh, for our Easter celebration. And so uh, sign up sort today. If you'd like to sign up and be involved in the event choir, uh, please do so following service today. Right out at the guest information booth, you can sign up there and be a part of that. And I appreciate all of our teams. Our seven teams here at the church are doing an awesome job. Isn't the parking lot attendants doing a great job? Amen. Amen. Helping us and assisting us there with parking. And they're out there, rain or shine, cold, heat. Uh, I appreciate that. Amen. Because that's showing the love of Christ. It's exemplifying his love and ministry and allowing people to know that we care about them. And I so appreciate that very much. Amen. Praise God. Uh, last week, we started talking about uh, myth busters and concerning money myth busters. And uh, I'm going to finish that up today. And uh, I don't preach a lot on giving and contributing, but I do do it once a year. And uh, so if this is your first time being with us, you're blessed to be a part of this today. Amen. I believe in preaching the whole truth, the whole counsel of God. Amen. Uh, the truth that you know and apply to your life will set you free. And so uh, we want to just uh, continue and we'll try to finish up today. We, we uh, talked about it last Sunday. We talked about it Wednesday night. And and we just had Holy Ghost here Wednesday night. We had a great time as God ministered to us. And, and it, it, it's all about your attitude. You know, people can get funny when you start talking about money. But whenever you enjoy and you love on God and, and it's your good pleasure, God will just load you down with blessing. And so uh, whenever we bless the Lord, it's his good pleasure to reciprocate it back to us. Amen. You've heard it a lot of times, you know, the old saints that get up and say, you just can't outgive God. How many know that's more than just a cliche? It is a reality. Amen. God isn't about to let you outgive him. <laughs> He's going to bless you some way and somehow. Amen. Praise God. Last Sunday we talked about it's no big deal. Uh, if you don't give, uh, it's no big deal. But the truth is, as we studied it out, it is an attack against God's throne. Uh, and what do you mean by that? Well, the kingdom of God cannot go forward if there is not giving. Right? If there is not contributing to the kingdom of God, then the gospel cannot be preached. You and I heard the gospel and believed because somebody else ahead of us gave. That made it possible for the gospel of the kingdom to be preached unto us. And, and doing so, we heard it, we received it, we believed it, acted upon it, and now our lives have changed for that. Amen? Uh, today, I want to finish uh, this message and talk about uh, some more uh, myths. And the myth that I want to start with today is this myth, and that is the church just wants my money. Amen. Isn't it interesting how we have different perspectives in the world and when we come to church. I drove through McDonald's this morning and they made me pay before I ever got my food. Because they know there's a chance that I may not even like what they're going to put through that window. So they get my money first. <laughs> come on, somebody. And, and, you know, I always say that you can tell what kind of restaurant you're going to by when you have to pay. If you happen to pay up front, chances are you're just taking a chance. But uh, if they'll let you eat it before you pay, chances are they're saying, I, I trust. I believe you're going to enjoy this. I believe it's going to be all right. Can I get a witness? And, and you know, I thought about it and I had an incident and thinking about it this week, uh, last year at uh, Walmart, you know, uh, they, they think of ways to get your money. They don't care if you need it or not. They say, how is it that we can get somebody to buy 
How many new smartphones can they come out with? I mean, what can the smartphone that came out yesterday do that the one that I bought last year cannot do? Do I really need it? But they're making things. Are you with me? I ain't saying don't keep up with technology. I'm just saying how it's strange that we take a concept that we don't have in the world, but then we apply it differently to the church. Amen. Every time you give, you're helping to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. And and you say, well, all they want is my money. But every time that you give, you're helping to pay the salaries of the staff that is here. I don't negotiate my salary. It's set by the general offices. Uh, You know, I don't negotiate. I don't say, well, that's that's all set by people that I have no control over. Amen. Uh, You help us provide this building. You help pay the light bills, the power bills, the water bills, the gas bill, the insurance, the maintenance. I I told Rick, I said, text him, I said, find out how much we paid in, uh, in all of these utilities last year so we'll know. Last year, it cost, just to keep the lights on, not doing no ministry, but right here, it cost $58,564.21 just for utilities for this building. Not only do you help make that possible, but you also support discipleship. Amen? You, you help provide the curriculum for our, for our Sunday schools and for our life groups. You help to uh, help us evangelize. When we have those big events, we don't ask people to come in here and pay, right? We do it and we give it all away. Everything we do, we give it away. Uh, you help us to care for and the benevolence and, and to be able to feed people and help people on a monthly basis that have difficult situations and getting going through a hard time. We are, we're able to bless those people and help them by giving them some food. Uh, We have revivals. We have training seminars to teach people because we don't believe in just saying, well, could you do it? But we want to equip you to be able to do it, right? Worship and media. We, we, all of the lighting, the sound, all that we do and the worship, all of that costs money. Amen. We give to missions. You gave last year into missions. We sent out $29,126.87 to missions last year because you gave. Amen. And so when you give to this little church right here in Clodin, West Virginia, we are literally touching the nations of the world. We're not hoarding money up and we're not saying, well, let's see how much we can get and all of that. We are doing ministry with the monies that come into this place. All of this is happening because people are faithful to give to the kingdom of God. All of it is happening because you're faithful. You say, why are you telling us this? It takes money to do ministry. The question is, is there a difference? Is, are we making a difference? The reality is we are making a difference. There's been over 150 people saved in the last year and a half here. Amen? Yes. The church has grown from 75, around 75 people to around 230, 250 people in the last three years. Amen? The church doesn't want your money. The truth is the church needs your money. Amen? The church needs your money, amen, to make it possible so that lives will be changed, amen. And then I want to give another myth, and that is, the third myth is, I can't afford to give. I received three testimonies this week that I just want to share with you of people that said, I made a commitment to tithe. One of them said that they received a promotion and a raise on their job, amen. Another one told me that they said we had to make a choice whether we, were, we would pay our tithe or we would pay some people that were working for us, a person that was doing some work for us, and said we got together, uh, their spouse and them got together and discussed it and decided that they would be uh, uh, committed to paying their tithe. Now, I believe you ought to pay your bills. 
we'll get to that later. But they made their commitment, we were going to pay our tithe first. They made that decision, and the wife begins to clean the house and found some uh, pictures that she bought at a yard sale uh, back in the summertime. And she decided that she would put some of these pictures up on the wall, and she said, for some reason, I felt to look behind the pictures, and said, I took the back off, and whenever I did, said there was more money in there than enough to pay the person that was working at my house. There was a man that was on a fixed income. He, made, he, he said to me, he, he brought in $1,400 a month. He said, since I've been saved, my wife uh, has always wanted to pay tithe into the church, but said, since I've been saved, we've made that commitment to give the tithe to the Lord and said, it's difficult at times, but we made that commitment to do so. And uh, so I said, well, I'll pray with you and come into agreement. And uh, I found out this past week he said that uh, he had a piece of property that, uh, that he had. It was landlocked. Nobody would give him an access to it. And uh, they said that uh, all of the neighbors around there would not give him access to it. And they, he said, I would have sold it for $60,000 if somebody just gave me that. It helped me out, and I'd have been able to been made life a little easier. But a man shows up at his house and says, uh, what about that property you own over there? He said, what about it? He said, I'd like to buy the mineral rights to it. He said, well, what, what do you want to, how much you want to give? And uh, he said, we don't want to buy the property. We just want the mineral rights. And the man gave him a contract where that he would have 20% of what came in from here on out, but also gave him a check for $500,000. Yeah, you'd act a little happier than that if it was you. <laughs> Making ends barely meet and all of a sudden, glory to God, huh? Hallelujah. You see, I, I, I ain't trying to talk you into anything. I'm just telling you this thing works. It works. Amen. He still owns the property. He said, I'd have sold it for 60000 Now, look, I still got the property and got all this money. God will take care of you if you put him first. Amen. Believe it or not, Renee and I get bills too. I sent a letter to the power company and said, don't you know I'm a preacher? They said, thank you for telling us we'll charge you double. <laughs> Whenever I pull up to the gas pump, they don't say, oh, we're going to give you a discount. Right? I know what it is. Our refrigerator breaks down just like yours. The bills keep coming in. The dishwasher refuses to wash. Medical bills come in. I got two kids with braces. My God. If you ain't lived through that yet, just hold on, baby. Amen. Uh, so I'm telling you today that, that we, we go through the same process that you are. But my desire is that we raise up a generation of people who intentionally give to God. Amen. The Bible teaches that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. The Bible says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of God. And God says, when you bring your tithe, that it already belongs to Him. The word tithe in the Hebrew means 10%. And this is where the rubber meets the road. When it's time to make our bills out, God expects us to pay our bills. Amen. Don't be going out and making bills you, you can't pay, not knowing, you know, I know all of us get in a tight spot whenever we don't understand or something difficult can come up, but uh, don't be going out and giving a bad name to yourself because of you not paying your bills. I'm pastoring better than you're letting on. He wants us to pay our bills, but he also wants us to bring the tithe. I told you that the more we make in a nation, this nation, the less we give. We think it's easier to pay uh, a tithe on $10 than it is $1,000. But you see, the reality of it is when we look at that, we say, well, you know, it's easy to pay on a, a 
$10,000 a year on part-time job. That's a, you know, just $1,000. But what could I do with $1,000? But then God blessed us with 100000 and now it's $10,000 ties with eyelids go up and say, you know, I, I could do all kinds of things. I could, I could buy a new motorcycle. I could buy me a boat. I, I could do all of these things. The more prosperous we come, the harder it is for us to bring the whole tithe into the house of God. Here is what we must understand, though. The person whose tithe is $1,000 a year and a person whose tithe is $10,000 a year receives the same blessing. Amen? The tithe is the same for everyone. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. And so whenever we give equally that sacrifice, amen, it doesn't matter if we're rich or if we're poor. This is about being generous and being good stewards of what God has given us. Amen. God ordained the tithes so that we could center our lives around him. Amen. We have to remember that Jesus is not only Savior, but he is also Lord. Amen. This means that we should uh, take and, and give him our very lives, that he should be first priority in our lives. And so whenever we begin to look at our, our uh, budget, we don't look at 100 percent. We look at 90 percent. Amen. Our house payment, our car payment. We've got kids. They're always needing something, needing something. <laughs> uh, I've just got too far to go to get on that. Uh, We go to the mall and we've got to have something, right? And and sometimes we don't have enough, so we put it on some plastic and we pay for it later. And then we've got to have a vacation and and we've got to have, you know, go golfing and we've got to have a boat and and we've got to, you know, because, you know, the, the family that plays together stays together. Right? And Y'all ain't letting on, ain't you? I might have something up a tree here. I may have to stay a while. But the enemy puts all these things in. Does that mean that that we are, you know, not loving God? It, it means that we have to stay prioritized. Amen. When we, because you see, all of these things we we do through the week, and then when we go to church, we don't have anything left. And Satan says, you can't afford it. And we say, you know, right, you know what, you're right. I I can't afford it. Uh, But God says, give me the tithe first. The Bible teaches the whole tithe belongs uh, to God. And when you tithe, you are bringing something that already belongs to him. When we have to remember that everything that we have came from God. Amen. When you give 10%, God says, I'll bless you with the rest. It will pour out, he said, your favor upon the 90% because you were faithful with the first. Listen to this. This is an interesting statistic. The average American exceeds their income by 23% every year. So if you exceed your income by 23% every year, then when you come to church, you have nothing left. There is something powerful that happens whenever we will give God the first fruit and not the leftovers. I would rather have 90% blessed than I would 100% not blessed. The Bible says in John 8 that there is no truth in him. He, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue for he is a liar and the father of lies. There is no area in our lives that the devil lies to us more than material possessions. The Bible said that no man can serve two masters. He said you've got to love the one and hate the other, be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, right? And so you you can't serve a God and money. Why is he talk about money? Why is it? Because God knew that the money was going to be the biggest challenge that we would have. And so he spoke more about it, and I gave you the statistics last week, so I'm not going to go through that again. But he spoke more about money than he did anything else except faith. And so today I want to explore this biblical concept of first fruits. And, And I want to look at first fruits was a part of the life of ancient Israel. 
you know the story how Israel came out of Egypt's bondage and they had been slaves for 400 years into Egypt. And after God brought them out, he began to establish uh, a nation. And God even brought them out with all the gold and all the silver. He didn't just bring them out, uh, you know, uh, in poverty, but he brought them out blessed. And one of the covenant rules that God gave them is that they had to bring the first fruits. In Exodus chapter 23, he said, bring the best of the fruits for, uh, of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. What does this scripture mean? They had an agricultural economy. They made their living by planting gardens and raising cattle. They did not work in an office, but they worked in the field. And their economy was the harvest that came in. They traded for this and they traded for that. And God said, bring your best and your first fruit into the house of God. And I'm sure some of you here today have raised a garden. You, you have um, put out some plants and you have uh, maybe a tomato plants or uh, uh, some corn or beans. And you understand that the, all of the fruit does not come in at one time. When you begin, when the tomato plant begins to produce, all of the tomatoes on that plant don't ripen at the same time, right? But you have the first fruits. That's that one tomato that you look at and, and you watch it and it gets big and then it starts turning yellow and then it starts turning red and your mouth starts watering. Thinking about how good it's going to be, right? And the Lord says, if you'll trust me, to bring me that first tomato. If you'll trust me to bring me that first calf that is born. They were in an agricultural economy. He said, I'll make sure that nothing stops the rest of the harvest from coming in. And so, you know, it's like a man, he, he had, uh, they had had a fundraiser at the church and he was, he was a farmer and, uh, it was in northeastern Louisiana, and they didn't have a whole lot. And they was, you know, sharecroppers. They were cotton people, and some of them raised cattle. And so they was having a building uh, fundraising at the church. And, and the farmer, he said, I'll, I'll give the first calf that's born, and I'll sell it, and I'll bring the money to the church. And so that calf was born, and it got right nice and slick and was looking good. And he couldn't help himself. He was looking at that thing saying, that's the nicest calf that I've ever had on this property. And, and he was so he was slow about taking the calf to the market and selling it. And one day he was running late for church. And uh, he went op over the hill. And when he got to the top of the hill, they, they, they were singing already. And they were singing, oh, the half has not been told. But conviction fell on the man. And he thought they were singing, oh, the calf has not yet been sold. He ran down to the bottom end of the church and said, Folks, if you'll just quit singing that song, I'll go sell that calf tomorrow. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult for us to release and trust God. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, Oh, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world because I've been in difficult spots myself when I had to give and trust God that He would take care of me. Amen? And so... Some of you may have come to that place, but what God is saying is, if you'll trust me with the first, I'll make sure that the harvest afterwards will continue to come in. God told them to give me the first. Why did he want the first? Because by giving and acknowledging God as the giver of all things, he said, you brought me the first, and now I'm going to bless you with the rest. Amen? The, the harvest uh, was declared a blessing. Why? Because they had given to God first. They didn't say, we'll see how much we have at the end of harvest. They did not say, well, if we have enough harvest, we will give unto God. But he said, I'm going to bring my first. And by bringing my first, God will make sure that there's more than enough. When you give to God the first, you are trusting God for all of the rest. And we see the powerful truth in the book of Malachi when God promised his people five distinct blessings for being obedient in tithing. First of all, he said, if you'll give, he said, I will open up the windows of heaven. Now, windows of heaven are not talking about pouring out cars and houses. You don't, uh, cars and houses don't come through windows. 
But what do you do through a window? You look through a window. And God said, if you'll put me first, I'll give you revelation knowledge that other people won't get. I'll pour out blessings upon you so that you will be able to have have revelation knowledge. After Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek, he had a vision. God revealed things to him. The second thing that he'll do is cause perpetual blessing to come into your life. The word blessing is the word benediction. In other words, God is saying, I will complete some things in your life that have remained uncompleted. I'll bring an end to some things in your life. I'll bring a sick, an end to sickness and bring healing. I'll bring an end in, uh, of, 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 of lack and I will bring prosperity and provision. I will bring an end to sorrow and bring joy. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Praise God. He said, thirdly, he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. This actually means that God will stand between you and the devil and tell the devil to stop it. This is one thing, if you rebuke the devil, it's one thing, but when God rebukes the devil on your behalf, amen, I'm telling you today that God will stand up on your behalf and rebuke the enemy because you have put him first in your life. Then the third thing, a fourth thing that he said, he said, I'll make sure that you're fertile ground. How many of you want to be fertile ground for God to sow into? Uh, He wants you to be fertile ground. And he said that Jesus talked about the seed that fell by the wayside. He talked about the seed that fell on stony ground. But he also talked about seed that was falling on good ground. And I want to be good ground for God to sow into. I want him to be able to trust me with revelation and knowledge and wisdom and his kingdom being invested within me. And then the fifth thing that he promised us was this, that there would be an unhindered fruit. God wants us to produce much fruit. This is God's will. As we grow in grace and tithes and offerings, God will increase our capacity to produce fruit. Amen. A powerful picture of first fruit offerings is in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 19. He said, all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron and, uh, are sacred unto the Lord and must go into the, his treasury. They burned the, whole, burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Whenever you defeat a city... It was custom for you to take the spoil. You would wipe out the city and take the gold and the silver and the iron. But God, they gave them victory over Jericho. And he said, this is the first harvest and this is what belongs to me. The victory at Jericho was the first fruits. It was the promised land to Israel. Amen. What is the problem? They go to the next city called Ai, right? You remember this? And, and it's just a small little city. And so they say, there's no need to take all the army. We'll just send a few boys over there and, and we'll, we'll take it out. And, and whenever they went over there and they did that, the Bible said that their hearts melted. Why? Because they got whipped. And God has uh, brought to their attention that I wanted to bless you. But you haven't been obedient for me to bless you. In verse 7, he said, Lord, why did you uh, ever bring this people across the Jordan and deliver us into the hands of the Amorites uh, to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what I, can I say now that Israel has been uh, routed by its enemy? And the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Have you ever been like this? God, I went to church. I sang. I lifted my hands. I prayed. I told the pastor he did a good job. God, I've done everything I was supposed to do and you didn't show up. God spoke to Joshua in verse 10. 
The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? In other words, he said, get up out of there. Quit your crying. Huh? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in their own possession, with their own possessions. And I will not be with you any more unless you destroy whatever among you has de- uh, you is devoted to destruction. First of all, God tells Joshua to stand up. What in the world are you doing on your face? He said, Israel has sinned and they've taken what belongs to me. Get up off of your face and deal with this bunch of people. Amen. Let me tell you, you, you can't just... When sin's in your life, when things aren't right, you can't just keep on going about and just saying, oh, happy day. You got to deal with it. You got to get it in alignment with God so that he can bless you. Because I'm telling you today, my friends, that God wants to bless us more than we're willing to be blessed. But we have to be obedient to what he has said to do. And so we have to destroy whatever is destroying us. If we don't destroy what's destroying us, then it will it will destroy us. Amen. Greed will destroy you. Lack of trust will destroy you. Buying into the spirit of the age will destroy you. The love of money will destroy you. You don't have to have money to love money. I've seen some people that didn't have two nickels to rub together and they loved money. Right? But I want to tell you today that you've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. That even though I haven't seen the rest of the harvest yet, I haven't seen AI. God says, you bring to me the first fruits of Jericho and there's nine other cities and you can have everything in those cities. But you've got to trust me to bring me the first fruits, bring me everything that's in Jericho, and all of the rest is yours. Amen. But there was one. Now, you know, whenever I get to heaven, if I can remember, you know, I'm on this side. But when I get there, I'm going to talk to God about this because I don't like it. One man, one man messes it up for all of Israel. Because whenever he does not be obedient, God don't say, Achan stole. Achan's got some stuff that belongs to me. He says, they, Israel has sinned. Right? And so he says, all of us have sinned. Why? Because one man has made a choice that I'm not going to do. And so he goes to Achan and says, Achan replies and says, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord and God of Israel. And he said, whenever I started looking around and I saw that Babylonian garment, when I saw the 200 shackles of silver and the wedge of gold and that weighed 50 shackles, he said, I coveted them and took them. If we had been talking today, we'd have said, when I saw that new car, when I saw that new toy, I coveted it and I had to have it. And I've taken what belongs to God to pay for it. We all have done this sometime in our life. The reason why things are not going the way that they should go sometimes is because we refuse to honor God with what belongs to Him. We've refused to keep that covenant with God. Tithing is a covenant connector. Jesus Christ is our high priest. The Bible said that is in the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is one that in the, was a high priest that received tithe from Abraham. And so Jesus now becomes that Melchizedek in our life that we pay our tithe to. God doesn't say, bring me the leftovers. He says, bring me the first fruit. And this defeats what completely uh, tried to hold us back, what completely tried to hinder and cause us to be defeated. When we give him the first, he blesses all the rest. 
God calls it first fruit giving. Why does God call it first fruit giving? Giving to God first is an act of thankfulness. When Moses finished up his leadership and mentorship of a nation of Israel, he brought them together for a long speech. And this, he said, this whole uh, new generation, except for Joshua and Aaron and Caleb, he said, none of these people have ever been out of Egypt. They have been born in the wilderness. Moses told them that this is as far as I can take you, but I want to remind you of God's law. He repeated the Ten Commandments to them, and then he told them about the first fruits, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 1, he said, Then you go into the land of the Lord your God and give it, giving you as uh, your own, and you must take some of the first harvest of the crop that uh, grows from the land in the, to the designated place of worship, says the uh, Say to the priest, today I declare before the Lord your God that I have come into the land the Lord promised our ancestors that we would, he would give us. The priest will take your basket and set it down in front of the altar and the Lord your God. Then you shall announce before the Lord your God, my father went down to Egypt with only a few people, but they came, became a large nation there. But the Egyptians were cruel to us, making us suffer. So we prayed to the Lord, and when he saw our trouble, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his great power and strength. And then uh, he brought us to this place and gave us this fertile land. And now I bring part of this first harvest from the land that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners among you should rejoice because the Lord your God has given good things to you and your family. Hallelujah. The first fruit is for you to remember what God has done for you. We miss this. We think that it's just a business transaction. But when you bring your gift unto God, you that was once in slavery, once in sin, but now you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You have, and he has answered our prayer. Without him, we would be absolutely nothing today. If it were not for the Lord, we would be in hell today. Amen. Your marriage would have failed. It would, you would not have a job and, and the source of your income would be nothing. But God has given us everything that we have today. He has sustained us. We're not self-made men and women. If God did not breathe out, we would never be able to breathe in. But because of Him today, in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our very being. And we're thankful today because it was Him that has given us everything. Amen. I know people look at us sometimes and say, well, it's easy for you because you're pastor and growing church and things are good. But I remember starting out. I shared some of that with you last week. Uh, I I thought we thought we were doing, you know, we were stepping high whenever we didn't have to eat chunky soup and rice anymore. And we moved up and got to go to Dairy Queen and get a hot dog. Amen. I remember the beginning days whenever... You know, those things, you you would go, and I remember going and asking for my first loan at the bank, and they asked me, how much do I make? And I said, I don't know. They said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, that's up to the generosity of the people. They said, we ain't giving you no money. But a sinner man gave me the money. Man, it wasn't even in covenant with God that believed in me anyways. And gave me the money and said, you can pay it back as you can. It isn't always easy. You know, looking back over my life, I've always give. And I I don't have no problem with what I make because I make sure I work harder. So I don't have no problem with what I make. I've never taken a full salary from the church. I've, I've always sacrificed. I've always given and made sure that I gave more than what I took. 
I'm not a, I'm not a moocher. I'm not somebody that's going to try to absorb everything and extract. I want to make sure that I give more than what I take out. And that's the way I've lived my life. And God has blessed me. And, and I want to tell you today that, that uh, God will take care of you. Tithing is not a business model. Tithing is worship. Tithing is a celebration. Amen. When you have to learn to give to God the first part because our expenses always exceed and or expand with our income. Have you ever imagined, you know, I remember saying, you know, well, if I could ever make $400 a week, I'd be rich. Anybody else remember those days? All right, let me just tell you then. I remember whenever I thought if I can make $400 a week, I can be rich. We can have anything we want, Renee. But as time went on, life went on. Man, I found out that the more that we make, the more that the expenses exceed and continue to grow. And so we have to keep an eye on and trust God and say, we're going to make sure that we give you what belongs to you. Giving to God first is an act of thanksgiving. Giving to God first is an act of faith. Proverbs said, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're better off having 90% blessed than you are 100% that is cursed? Amen. Proverbs said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding and acknowledge him in all of your ways and he shall direct your path. I tell you that this first fruit principle, this tithing principle makes no sense to the logic. It makes no sense to the natural man. It never will. Why? Because it's a spiritual principle. Just like it makes no sense to believe that you can be a wicked, vile, terrible person and come to a saving knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ and come to him and say, God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and I will serve you the rest of my life. And when you get up from there, all of your past is forgiven. That makes no sense. But I'm telling you, it's a spiritual principle. That the old man is dead and now a new man is alive. Adam has died and now Christ is living on the inside of you. Amen. And so the spiritual principles that we learn make no sense to the natural or to the psychic. But whenever we begin to apply them to our life, I tell you they will work. Amen. Giving to God first is a sacrifice. It's also a sanctifying act. Do you realize many times in the Bible when it talks about money, it's in a negative or a bad form? He calls it mammon. Paul called it filthy lucre. Jesus called it deceitful riches. So how do you get yourself free from that? He tells us in Romans, he talked about the first fruit. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the first fruit. He said, if the part of the dough offered... As first fruit is holy, then the whole batch will be holy. And so when you give the first fruit unto God, when you bring your tithe to God, then the rest is sanctified. It removes the curse from the money. Amen. Now there's a lot of goofy teaching on curse. But let me just make it as plain as I can and simple as I can. The curse is nothing more than the blessing being removed from your life. It's, not, it's where you're not living under the provision of God. Living up under the blessed place of God. Amen. It is not the devil cursing you because the devil don't have the power or the authority to curse you. But it's when you choose that I'm not going to be obedient, when I'm not going to do what God has required of me, that it lifts off the blessing from the covenant that you have been a connector with. And therefore, the blessing is no longer there. And so you're living under a curse. Will a man rob God? You say, wherever I robbed you, you've robbed me in not bringing your tithe and your offerings. But he said, if you'll bring it, he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. Achan was the only one who messed up, but the whole nation was affected by it. He said, return in covenant and bring your first thing. How many people will be affected if we don't give? I told you last week, 
It's not a question of will I go to hell if I don't tithe. It's a question of how many will go to hell if we don't tithe. If the gospel is not promoted. If the, how many know that especially in this society in which we live, that it is not Christian friendly, but it's anti-Christian. You want to get on the radio and they don't want you on, they'll just charge you double. They don't want you on secular TV. You know, they'll form, box you in, put you on a Christian network. But it, how many know it's tough to get on a, on a national network or even on a public station? They'll charge you triple what they will, some blaspheming, loudmouth comedian. Because they're anti-gospel of God. But I want to tell you that they cannot stop the kingdom of God. And whenever people in the kingdom, I was talking to somebody about this this week, and we was talking about the state of our country. And, and, and I said, it, you know, it's a shame because we as the body of Christ, you can't get two churches to come together for a hot dog sale. Let alone take a stand. But do you understand that we would be the strongest voice in this nation if we would just put our differences aside and say we're going to proclaim the, the principles of a living God? Amen. If we would say that we're just going to put our differences aside and we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to give him our very best. I'm telling you that there is nothing that we cannot do. Amen. It has already been proven, I'm almost finished, but it's already been proven that the government cannot solve the, the issues of our day. They can't even take care of the people that don't have a job, let alone the widows and the orphans. But if every person in the body of Christ would tithe, we'd be able to solve world hunger in a month and have $70 billion left. I'm telling you, we're great and we're powerful, but we have to do what God said we can do. And when we do it, then the blessing comes. God has no problem prospering you in your life. He wants you blessed. Amen. I said here Wednesday night, I, I'm not one of these that says, well, I just, all I want is just what, you know, enough to pay my bills. No. I'm telling you that I want to be so blessed that when a brother or sister gets down and out, that I can make their house payment for them until they get a new job. I want to be so blessed that I can take care of those who are in need and minister to those. And I tell you, it's a, been a long life goal of mine and I'm not there, but I'm believing God before I check out of here that some way and somehow he will prosper me and bless me. It's not just so I can get by, but so I can be a blessing to other people around me. Amen. Whenever you give to God first, it's no longer filthy lucre or liquor. <laughs> but it's blessed. Amen? It's blessed. Does that mean that I'll never have a financial problem again? The Bible said it'll rain on the just as well as the unjust. My giving my 10% first does not say that I'll never have a problem. I can just go live and do whatever I want to do. I have to be a good steward of it all. I can't just live however I want to and haphazardly and say, oh, I paid my tithes. Let's go write some checks. Right? You got to live within a budget. If you don't have a budget, you're crazy. Rich, 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 rich people even have a budget. There's only one way to remove the curse, and that is to repent and admit that I've broken covenant. And I want to come back to God. I want to line up with you. Just remember when you would take that covenant and that commitment to say I'm going to give the first fruit the first of my increase if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior you need to know today that this isn't about money this is about your heart see tithing is not a money issue it's a heart issue 
And whenever you get your heart right with God, then everything else will be right with God. And if you get good and saved, he gets you all, including your pocketbook. I want to trust him. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't want my treasure locked up in things that are going to rust and decay and fall apart. I don't want my treasure locked up in things that money can burn up and blow up. I want my treasure invested in something that's not temporal, that can help me when everything else goes awry in my life. I know that God will take care of me. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning for just a moment. Becky, if you'll come, I won't need everybody today. But just Becky, if you could just come and play for a minute. I just want to take this just, just for a moment. But Father, I pray that you give us all ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a will to draw near to you today. God, I realize that many are fearful and afraid, but God, I stand before your people today not manipulating, not trying to get something out of them. You, you t- challenged us and told us don't give compulsively and grudgingly, but give cheerfully. So God, today, you know our hearts. And as we just share the word today, we believe your word is true, every bit of it. So we just share this word today. Father, maybe there's somebody here this morning that's not in covenant with you, that heart's not right with you. First and foremost, the first step of coming in covenant is giving our hearts to you. So I pray today that you would touch our hearts. You would minister to us this morning in the name of Jesus. With your heads bowed for just a moment, you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're not in that covenant with him and you say, Pastor Brian, I'd like to be in covenant with God. Maybe you've known him and you've drawn away and cold and indifferent just need to renew that covenant and that relationship any relationship that you don't invest in is going to break down and deteriorate if you haven't kept a relationship with father god then it's going to break down but today you say i want to renew that covenant right there where you're standing you just raise your hand say that's me i want to renew my covenant today with god god bless you is there another today God bless you. Is there another today? 